have a very, very special treat tonight. Um, we have three three speakers, not just one, but three. Um, and they, they're going to come, come bring the word of the Lord. I, I would just ask, um, it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. I know sometimes... Services like this can be a little bit off, um, not off, but they can just be a little bit different. And, and so I know we can kind of come with some different expectations and stuff. But I would just ask, you know, uh, not any service here is ever taken for granted. And so um, the, the three speakers that we're going to have tonight, they, I know they have all sought the Lord in prayer um, for what he wants to say. And so I would ask that just as they have, have sought the Lord, that you would open your hearts, you would open your spirits and your minds to receive the word that, that they're going to bring forth tonight. And, um, don't worry, not, neither, none of the three of them are going to go insanely long. We're not going to keep you here until midnight. Um, we're not the book of Acts yet, but, um, in Jesus' name, we will be. So, that being said, though, um, I would just ask that, like I said, you, you you open your heart and please be receptive. So, the first uh, man of God we're going to hear from tonight is none other than Brother Matthew Lewis. So, please welcome him as he comes. Well, praise the Lord. I'm just going to go ahead and start off and pray just really fast over the service. Lord, God, thank you for this opportunity, God. It's an honor, God, to, to be here before your people, Jesus. God, I pray that you would speak through me, God. I submit myself, Lord, as a vessel, God, to speak your words, God. In Jesus' name, I pray that it be that and nothing else, God. And I trust you, and I rely on you, God, and I know that you're with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, you guys can be seated. Go ahead. Don't worry. I've never gone too long in my life, so <laughs> especially not when I'm the only one speaking. Um, me and Declan, we always joke around, and we always say, you know, yeah, Pastor Wright just called me. I'm, I'm speaking on Sunday morning. <laughs> Turns out God's listening. <laughs> he hears you. He hears you. But, um, no, I really have something I feel that the Lord has led me to share, and um, I'm just going to go ahead and do that. You know, uh, we've heard a lot about the victories that have taken place at ACC and on our campuses, and God has done some, some mighty things. But I feel a little bit to share a, a little bit about, you know, what, that, what that's taken for me as well, for me and, a, and part of our team, some of the, the trials we've, we've, we've gone through, some of the things that we faced, you know, because we hear about spiritual warfare, we hear about call to war, you know, before I, I, I've been at ACC for about two years, and that was the first time I ever really got deeply involved in ministry, and at that point in time, you know, I heard about spiritual warfare, in my mind, it's just, you know, praying really hard, giving the devil smack on the behind, and, and, and that's just what it is, but I didn't, at that time, I didn't know that, you know, when you speak to the enemy, the enemy, sometimes he, he, he speaks back, you know, and sometimes th- things happen, right? So I want to turn to the book of Second Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, this is verse 8 and 9. It says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despised of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. I know a lot of times in life, especially for me, I've always said, you know, I, I know that without God, I, I, I can do nothing. You know, I, I, I can do nothing without him. But it was really something that God had to teach me, that I really could do nothing without him. And um, God is, is uh, he's, he likes to use the, 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 the carrot and the stick sometimes, you know. And when I, I'll, I'll never forget around probably, I think it was semester two, I, we, had, we had just prayed and broke up some things. God was moving in a prayer meeting we had. And the next day, all of a sudden, I started feeling, like, d- depressed. I started, started feeling these, these weird feelings. And I felt like, you know, 
I, I couldn't shake it. You know, the, the enemy was coming at my mind. And at that time, I, I, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know that the enemy was coming against my mind. I didn't know that, you know, that we, that we were stirring things up in the, in, the, in the atmosphere. And it was something that, that I had to learn. Um, how many of us know that salvation isn't just Acts 2.38, but it all, it's also that he that endureth to the end shall be saved, right? The Bible says that he that endureth to the end shall be saved. And that's something that God had to teach me. I'll never forget when I was, you know, new in ministry, something that Brother Mike would, would, would pray for me a lot of times was, was that, that, I would, that I would endure as a good soldier in the faith, that I would endure. And God has, has given me the grace to endure. And I'm, and I'm thankful. And I want to, I had a whole bunch of things I was going to say at the beginning. I guess I'll just say it now. I want to honor Pastor Wright, and I guess I shouldn't do it now. Kind of. <laughs> I wanted to honor all the leadership because they're so great, and I, lo- and I love this church. I'm honored to be here. Truly, I truly am. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. But um, I'll never forget. You know, one time I was I was I was going through through this battle that I that I, that I kind of talked about, brushing when I was getting attacked in my mind, and I felt you know. I think it's important and vital that we communicate with our leaders, that, amen, that, 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 we, that we stay in communication with them. And I was talking to Brother Isaac one day, and I was telling him, we were at, it was a lot of us there, we were at a prayer meeting. And he said, you know, Matthew, where God has placed you to, you're, 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 you're feeding other people. This is essentially what he said, you're feeding other people, and your, your, your consecration can't, uh, can't feed the level, of, I, I don't know if I'm trying to say it right, but your consecration can't feed the people you're trying to feed. Your, your relationship with God isn't strong enough. He said, it's not, don't worry, but you don't have to pray super long to, right now in this moment to try to, you know, get victory. But you need to learn how to have a true relationship with God. And at that moment, I, I, I didn't. And so I want to read a passage of scripture that I think will help us in Jesus' name. Um, this is the book of Matthew, chapter 14, and it's verse 13. It says, now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to, to, to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot, foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed, and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the, into the villages and buy food for themselves. How many, have ever been, how many of you ever been in a situation you felt like, you know, maybe if pastor was here, this, this situation would, would, would go, go the right way. Maybe if Brother Mike was here, if you're, if you're in a, a ministering setting, you felt like, you know, maybe if someone was, was there that had more experience than you, that th- things would get done the right way. I've, I've, I've been there. This is um, verse 16. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves in here and two fishes. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking five loaves and two fish, he, t- he looked upon heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. You can't give something that God hasn't given to you, you know. That's something that I had to learn. I, w- I, was, I, would, I would teach Bible studies, and at the end of the Bible study, I, w- I would just be so depleted. I would be so worn, worn out, and, you know, sometimes I feel as though when you're worn out, it's, you're, you're more susceptible to the enemy. Does that make sense? In Jesus' name. It says, um, and, and, they, and they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Um, you know, I think it's interesting that there's, there's, there's 12, there was 12 baskets left. Each disciple, when it, when it was all said and done, I mean, it doesn't say this, but you could assume that they had their own basket, right? You could assume that, that when, they, when they poured out, when, when they ministered what God had given them to minister, they, they weren't empty. Something that God had, to, that I, I had to learn was that you know, no matter 
who wants this? I'm, I'm still hungry for God. No matter whoever takes of what I have to offer, I, I want to I be able to eat myself. I want to be able to, to, to get it where myself. In Jesus' name. Oh. I guess I'll just, I'll, just go, I'll just go to my, uh, I guess, with the last thing I felt like God kind of wanted me to share, kind of touching back on the first verse. It's in a, we're going to talk, talk a little bit about Jacob. Jacob was a powerful man of God. He had to, he had to go through a lot, but he had, um, he had God with him. Um, so verse 22 of chapter 32, it says this. It says, the same night he arose and took his two wives and his two, uh, actually, skip down to 24. And, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until, until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said, and he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall, shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have shriven with God and with men and have prevailed. Something I think is so powerful, the Bible says that, that when, when, the, when, the, when the man or the, or the angel saw that, that, that he didn't prevail against Jacob, then he blessed him. I believe that there's a blessing when you, when you endure and you hold on. I remember one time I was, I was so bogged down and I, was, I felt like I was, I was so attacked. And I just, I just told God, I said, look, God, you've gotten me here. And I just need you to give me the rest of the way. I said, I, I'm not going to turn back to the life that I used to live. But I'm, I, don't know what, I, don't, I don't know what else to do. But if, if you'll get me there, I'll, I'll, I'll go. And I just believe that it's powerful when you, when, when the God changes your identity. I feel like a lot of times, you know, we, 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 we struggle and we, and we feel that, you know, our suffering, the things we suffer make us inadequate or, or, or that, you know, that, that doesn't make sense. I remember um, when I was struggling one time, I, I came across the, uh, the first, first Peter 4 and 12 and I I'll read it, I put it on my phone too, so. <laughs> it says, um, and I, I did exactly what, what Peter said to not do, so. He said, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were, were happening to you. But rejoice in, in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when, when his glory is revealed. You know, in my life, I want the identity of Jesus Christ to, to be made manifest. And I think it's powerful that after Jacob had suffered, he got a new identity. You know, we can't have only Christ's sufferings and only Christ's identity in, in, the, in the good things, but Christ had to suffer. You know, Christ had to, Christ had to go through rejection and continue to go. And that's just kind of what I thought to share. And I, I'll just read this last verse. It says, um, Beloved, this is First uh, John 3, verse 2. It says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not, been, has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. I want to I see him as he is. I, I want to see him as he is. I want to endure till the end and go where God is, is, is leading me to go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> Paul said, I learned how to be a base and, and, and how to be a bound. But and after all of that, he says that it's there that I learned to fellowship with Christ in the power of his resurrection, but in the fellowship of his suffering. And so that's, that's where we can learn to fellowship with him in, in the weak places. In those weak places, he's made strong. So our next person tonight um, is none other than, than, an, than an awesome, awesome woman of God. Um, I think we can all say, if anyone knows, knows her, you know that, that she... 
she walks with the Lord and, and uh, has a powerful, powerful life of, of prayer and fellowship with him. So I want you guys to welcome with me Sister Sashana Green. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, Thank you, Jesus. Where can I go? We can turn to the book of Isaiah um, 55 and 10. Who knows that God is a promise keeper? Yes, he is a, a really good God. He's so good. Um, Isaiah 55 and 10 said that, oh, sorry, I'm reading it in the New King James Version. It said, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but the water of the earth and make it bring forth the buds that it may give seed to the sower and the bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth and it shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the things for which I've sent it the Lord is definitely a promise keeper my favorite song or one of my favorite songs is promises and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later Um, there's a few lyrics in that song that's just Every single time I listen to that song, I, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Um, but on, on January 20, 24, 2021, I was having just a, a tough time. I walked into the service, and I sat right over there, and I was like, God, I, I, I need a word. And I need a word now because I'm just having a not such a good time. I'm not having a good time. And that was when pastor was preaching, and then he was like, <laughs> And he was like, Sashana, called my name right out. And I was like, okay, God, I'm listening. <laughs> I am listening. Um, but one thing that he said is said, he said, there is a day of reckoning. There is a day coming where everything. Sorry where everything the enemy has tried to steal you, steal, and everything that the enemy tried to do against you is going to, God is going to restore it. And I believe that God has already started to restore many different things that the enemy thought that he could steal from me. And that's because the word of God said that, his word said that his word shall not return void. And anything that the enemy thought that he had against me will not prosper, but it will come to pass in Jesus' name. And thank you, Jesus. And we know that God is faithful, and our faithfulness in the process is just as important as the process itself. We can't just sit on the sideline and, like, if God say he's going to bless us or he's going to do this and this in our life, we can't just sit around and, like, okay, all right. God, you say you're going to do it. I'm just going to sit here while you do it. No, but we have to work with that. It, um, that the, the scripture talks about wait on the Lord. 
um, and she shall renew your strength. But that word wait, talk about being intertwined with God in that process. And it, it's like the process is going to happen, but you have to be in the process with God and being intertwined with him and listen to him and, you know, just go with it because it's, it's not easy, but it's all about a relationship. And a relation, every single relationship, it has its ups and it has its downs. Um, it has its good time and it has its bad times. But God is good no matter what. No matter what the situation's going, no matter what. It doesn't matter. Um, um, a whole bunch of scriptures here. <laughs> um, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Um, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 to 2. It said... Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it is requiring servants and stewards that one be found faithful. It's important to be faithful, um, faithful to the promise of God, faithful to his word, and to endure to the end. It's in Galatians 6 and 9, it said, Let, let's not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap. And the Bible talks about, like, all of these different promises, if you continue to be faithful, when the last days come, when the God is going to say, well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. But not only then, because I do want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, but I believe that God is going to bless us for our faithfulness here and right now. And he already has done that for me. And because... He, he's just a good God. He, he's good. Not I'm not good, but I, he is good. Um, the song Promises that I was talking about, there are a few lyrics that in that song. It's talk about great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. It said, I put my trust in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He will never let me down. He will never let me down. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to, I'm just going to close here. Um, If you could put up Proverbs 3 in the Passion Translation for me, please. Proverbs 3, starting with verse 3. Thank you. It said, that's... Let me read it on my phone. It said, hold on to the loyal love and don't let go and be faithful to all that you've been taught. Let your life be shaped by integrity with the truth written upon your heart. That's how you will find favor and understanding with both God and men, and you will gain the reputation of living life well. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinion. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision to make. Every decision to make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you you wherever you go. Um, And let's skip down to verse 10, um, where it said, then every dimension of your life will overflow with the blessing from an uncontainable 
source of inner joy. And that is the, the promise that God has given us with just trust in him and being faithful to him because every dimension of your life will overflow with inner joy. And it's going to be joy that, that this world needs for sure. And it's, it, it, it is so good. And when it comes to another thing that I think about when it comes to faithfulness, it's not about being perfect. Because a lot of, a, a lot of time, I don't know about you guys, but I know about me, I'm like, oh, I have to do this perfect. I have to do this. I have to do that. And if I don't, then I mess up and then I'm failure. But you're not. And failure is not failing. It's taking a step towards success. The, the mark is there, and I'm taking a step towards it. So when the day ends, when the day comes, when God comes back for his people, I want him to say, well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you want to hear the same words when you get there one day? Just a closer walk with him. Pastor talked about a, a, a couple months ago now in our, in our uh, ministers and, and young ministers training and, and that we have on Sunday afternoons. He talked about the scripture in Revelation where it says, The ones who will make war with the Lamb, they will be called. They'll be chosen. But the third aspect, they'll be faithful. They'll be the ones who are faithful. We know from scripture all are called, but... Few are chosen, and, and we can make ourselves available, but, but being faithful, that's up to us. That's up to our everyday walk with him, just taking that next step and letting, letting his word illuminate our path. So this, this next and, and last speaker we have, um, once again, is an awesome, awesome man of God. Um, this one's actually really special. Uh, we have <clears throat> taken the time to um, bring him in all, all the way across the world, uh, truthfully, from um, Serbia, Russia, he has come just just for tonight um, to to bring this word. I guess in some regards, since he's doing ministry in America, he's classified as a missionary to the United States. Uh, so please, please welcome Brother Mike Chromchek as he comes. Hallelujah! God is good. Amen. Amen. I, I truly feel humbled to, to be asked to speak. Uh, and I don't take it lightly that a pastor asked me to be here. And I guess it was God. Uh, because uh, today I, I drove Jonathan and John Hoffman uh, as they left to Serbia. And uh, they're going to my home. And, you know, as I was driving them, I, all the feelings, the emotions of four years being apart from the family, everything just came back rushing. And then I remembered that I have to speak. And I felt like God just said to me, I'm not done with you here. And I feel the word in my heart, but I don't have the ability to give it. I'm not relying on my vocabulary. I, I, I struggle with pronouncing the words. And I, I went back and forth with the Lord and I was fighting with him. But he knew. And he said what he said to Paul. 
it. In Jesus' name. He said that his strength will be made perfect in, in my weakness. And that's what I'm relying on. And I want to preach about something that I feel strongly in my heart ever since Pastor preached that, that message about whose house are we building. I just felt a stirring in my spirit and I felt challenged about it. And I am so grateful about the men of God that can hear from God and that can deliver the word. And it, it challenged me and it started working in me and I started digging into the word and started thinking about it and I'm, I'm just going to dive right into it so keep your hearts open keep your spirits open and uh, let God do, do what he wants to do in this place and uh, when pastor preached he mentioned that the temple was built by the Solomon and how he invested a little bit of time to build it and he poured a lot of his time into building his own house but if we read carefully about the whole story we can realize that Yes, temple was built by the Sol Solomon, but it was actually David who made all the provisions. He, David saved all the bronze, all the gold, all the iron, everything that was needed for the temple. David made, made plans for the temple, and Solomon just built it. And I started wondering, where did that, where did that come from? How did, how, did you, how did all of a sudden we see David obsessed by building this temple for God? building the house of God. Where, where did that come from? And the Lord took me. And as, as I started reading the Psalms, it, it just became so clear to me. And as, as, you know, we can read and through all the stuff, but uh, Saul abandoned the Lord and he left, he left him. And the Lord was like, let me find somebody after my own heart. And he wandered all over, but couldn't find anybody. And then he saw a boy in a desert and he was writing stuff like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he leads me to the green pastures, and mercy and grace will follow me. But he, he ends that beautiful psalm by, by saying, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he just, those verses just became so apparent to me. This is the boy who is living in a desert. This is the boy who probably has never been to Jerusalem. And even more than that, there is no temple. There is no house of the Lord. David, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And then he goes on and on and he says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, David, again, what are you? I know you're a boy and your kids like to imagine, but this feels like it's something more than just imagination of a kid. And then he goes and he says in Psalm 84 and 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. And then he goes on and in Psalm 92 he says those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of the Lord and then he says in a Psalm 69 and this is what I what I want to take as my main portion of scripture Psalm 69 7 through 9 and he says for your sake I have borne reproach shame has covered my face I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children he felt so abandoned out there in the desert. Why? Because the zeal for your house has consumed me. Zeal for your house has consumed me. When he, he was a kid, he was out there in the desert, but he was imagining, he was dreaming about house of the Lord. And it wasn't just when he became king. That's why he became king. 
He became king so the house of God could be established. And we know that he is not talking about God's presence or tabernacle because he says when he became king and he, he got everything he had, he was, he was so stirred that he lives in beautiful houses. But the Ark of the Covenant is under the, under the tents. And he, was, he, he told God and he told Nathan, I'm, I'm going to build the house of the Lord. And I know as we can see through the scripture that that wasn't just an impulse. That was something that was in his heart ever since he was a kid. And when God saw that, that somebody who is young, who, who, who has no right to be there, who, has, who, who will never be able to build the house of God, God said, I'm going to make him a king. God said, this is the man after my own heart because the zeal for the house of the Lord has consumed him. And he... And then, then we see that he makes all the preparations. He, he, he collects everything that needs to be collected. He, he sacrifices more than everybody else. And you can read about that in Chronicles and, and Samuel. But for him, it was more. For he, him, it wasn't just an idea. For him, it wasn't about the name or about something to be remembered. He wanted to build the house of God because the zeal for the house of God has consumed him. And we see Solomon building this beautiful temple, but it wasn't his sacrifice. That was David's sacrifice. David sacrificed. David gave it all. David abandoned everything and gave everything to build the house of God. He, he made all the provisions. Solomon builds it, and they name it the Solomon's Temple. How, how very interesting. But for David, it wasn't about the name. For David, it wasn't about who's going to get recognition. For David, it was about the zeal. And one, one had the zeal and one got the recognition. But then, then we see when Jesus comes, he's not the son of Solomon. He's son of David. Because the zeal of the Lord's house has consumed him. And first thing that we see that Jesus do, John chapter 2, is he goes to the temple and he cleans it out. He tears the temple, and what do the disciples say? They remembered, for it was written, the zeal of the Lord will consume him. And I believe that's why David was man after God's own heart, because he was the type of Jesus in the Old Testament. The house of God wasn't even there, but he was so consumed by it. And then Shiloh came, and he was the son of David. He cleaned the temple, and they remembered it was written. The zeal for the Lord's house will consume him. And this is what I found interesting when I was studying this. Jesus did a lot of miracles and he opened a lot of blind eyes and healed the sick. But there is only one thing he did twice. And that was clean the temple. He cleaned the temple at the start of his ministry, John chapter 2. But every other gospel mentions about him cleaning the temple before he went to Golgotha. And he did it twice. That was the only thing he did twice, and that was repeated. Because the zeal of the Lord has consumed him. And he said, my father's house will be a house of prayer. And I believe that is our pastor's hearts. When he preached that message, it stirred me. Because we need to approach this more than just a building. We, and I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about us, the church. This is more than just a building. We're more than just a random group of people. We, we are building the temples. We are the living stones coming together to form that temple. 
And I believe that he's... Jesus' name. You know, and I was, I was thinking about the Solomon. And, and Pastor mentioned that he wonders why he strayed after having everything, after achieving so much, after being so great and being David's son. And he could learn from him so much. But David strayed because it, uh, Solomon strayed because it wasn't his own sacrifices. He just took what was somebody else and put his name tag on it. And God just started dealing with me, and this is for me. And if it applies to you, take it. But if it, no, don't take it as an, an, as an attack. But we cannot, we cannot build this house on a sacrifice of Bishop Wright. We cannot build this house on a sacrifice of Pastor David Wright. God is calling us to sacrifice. God is saying, who's going to be willing for the zeal of God to consume them? Not to take one part or the other. Not to take this thing or that thing. But let it consume us. Let it devour us. Zeal of the Lord. And, and the scripture says that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And then it says the zeal of the Lord will perform this. It won't be you. It won't be your strength. It won't be your ideas. It won't be your plans or everything else that you do. It will be the zeal of the Lord. Zeal of the Lord will perform this. And I believe that for Antioch. The, the glory of the latter house will be greater than our former days. And I know I am the stranger to the promises that God made to Antioch. I wasn't here. I wasn't even in the plan. But God took this boy from Serbia and he placed me here. And I take them as my own. And I believe that. And I, I, I'm, I'm not... I'm not speaking as somebody who has already reached and accomplished it, but I do as Apostle Paul says. I, I'm not talking about somebody who has comprehended, but I forget everything that is behind me. And I run. I run toward, toward that mark, toward that goal, until the completion of those promises. And as I finish, I just want to challenge myself and everybody we need to let the zeal for the god's house consume us it, it cannot be emotions it cannot be somebody pushing us it cannot be somebody pulling us it cannot be somebody encouraging us all the time it has to be the zeal of the lord and zeal is not emotion i mean you can say it is an emotion but zeal is much more than enthusiasm zeal is Zeal is anointing. Zeal is being surrendered. Zeal is being consumed. And if there's not, nothing left of you, you're willing to do it. But the Lord told me that we're so focused on building our own stuff and forgetting the house of God. That when he loses that fire and when he wants to set that fire so it consumes us, we're, we're pulling back. We're not allowing. And David wasn't like that. Jesus wasn't like that. He... And I started praying for myself. God, don't let me have anything that I am not willing to give up in a day. Because when you ask, to do some, you ask me to do something, I, I want to be ready to step in. I want to be ready to abandon. I want to be ready to sacrifice. I want to be ready for your zeal to consume everything and to consume me with it. And so I challenge every one of us. As I was talking to Brother Middleton and I was wondering what God did to the previous generation and what, 
how many miracles and everything that happened and how God miraculously provided for this church and what he did for those men. And uh, he told me about a lot of stuff. And then, then God started dealing with me that he's a just God. He blessed them, but it was because of their sacrifices. And if we want unprecedented, we have to have an unprecedented sacrifice. It will never come by the lesser thing. If God does more for us with lesser sacrifice, He's not a just God. And He will not do it. He's calling for greater. He's calling for more. But it won't be us. It says the zeal of the Lord will perform it. If you let the zeal of the Lord consume you, it won't, you won't have to push yourself. It will be second nature. It will be, we need to do this. Pastor says go there. Okay, we're running. We're going. Because it is the zeal. It's not us. It's not us pushing. It's not us stretching ourselves. It is men of God speaking and the zeal of the Lord performing. And I want to, I want all of us to stand and let's just, I don't know if you want to open the altars or whatever the Lord wants to do, but let's open our hearts and let's, let's ask God for, for that zeal. Let's, let, let's ask God to renew us. And if you already have the zeal, ask God to, to give it to you even more. And if you don't have it, He can, He can, you have to just bring something to sacrifice, and he will let that fire fall on that sacrifice. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, why don't we just lift our hands all across this place. Oh God, don't let it be said of this generation that we let the fire go out. Oh God, don't let it be said of this generation that the fire that once burned on the altars of Antioch went out with us. But make us a house of prayer. Make us a house of prayer. A house holy, dedicated, and consecrated. Make us living sacrifices. Oh, Jesus, we consecrate ourselves to your will. We consecrate ourselves to your plan and to your purpose. That just as you pray, not our will, but your will be done. And you've called us to unprecedented things. You've called us to things that... We've never seen before. We know it can only happen by doing something that we've never done before. So we yield ourselves up. We yield ourselves up. Your word says that we can either fall on the rock or the rock will fall on us. But one way or the other, we're going to be consumed. So God, consume us. Consume us with your fire. Consume us with the fire of your spirit. Let it fall on the altar of our lives. Let it fall on the altar of our everyday lives that when we wake up in the morning and when we go to bed at night, your fire would consume us. That our lives would be altars of sacrifice. That our lives would be altars of sacrifice of our will. Holy, consecrated, and dedicated to you, desperate and hungry for a moving of your spirit like we've never seen it before. For a moving of your spirit greater than we've ever heard it. For a moving of your spirit greater than the book of Acts. For a moving of your spirit greater than the generations that came before us. Oh God, we consecrate ourselves on the rock. 
we submit ourselves as living sacrifices. Your spirits are consuming fire. Consume us with a hunger for you. Consume us that just as David had a hunger for what he had never seen before. That just as David longed to be in your house, which he'd never stepped foot in, you would put in place in us a, a desire and a hunger for what we've never seen before. You would put in place in us a faith that would begin to rise outside of what we heard of, outside of what we've been taught, outside of what's been preached and teached and testified about, that things we could have never imagined would begin to happen, that you would put a faith and a hunger and a desire for us to see you in a way we've never seen you, to see fruit in our lives that we could never begin to be imaginable. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Consume us with the hunger for you, O God. In in the book of Romans. Chapter 12 and verse 1, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. You would be holy and acceptable unto him. But there's something so interesting about the verse that he follows it with. And he says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And why is it, I'm going to tell you why I believe that Paul follows up so quickly in regards to being a living sacrifice with talking about this world. And that's because everything in this world and our culture would teach us against that principle right there. Of getting ourselves, our desires, our wills, our flesh up on an altar every morning and die. Being a living sacrifice. But can I tell you what, what Brother Hrumchek was talking about tonight was that very principle of being consumed by a fire. Being consumed by a hunger. And it's outside what this world would tell us is normal. It's outside. You don't, you don't have to consecrate yourself like that. That's not necessary. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to lay those things down. But that's why Paul says, I beseech you. I beg of you, I beg of you to get up on an altar and present yourselves as a living sacrifice, saying, not my will, but your will be done. 
not my will, but your will be done. Don't, don't give me a hunger for the things of this world, but renew my mind to have a hunger for the things of you. Renew my mind to have a hunger for your presence and consume me with the fire to where, as Jesus was, we're eaten, eaten up with the zeal for his house. If you're thankful for those three words that were given tonight, could we just give them a hand clap? What three absolutely awesome words from God that we, that we just heard. And, and, and the powerful thing about that is, if you came in tonight with any, any one of those three things that the Lord needed to speak to you about, then let me tell you, he was speaking to you. They were not just taking a shot in the dark, but that was God ordained that if you're in a struggle right now, he's trying to tell you that he can be made perfect in your weakness. And and if you have promises that you're waiting on, he's telling you that that they will come through your faithfulness. And he's telling all of us as a body right now that in order to see the unprecedented, we've got to be consumed with a zeal for what we've never seen before. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. We thank you for what you've done in this place tonight. We thank you for your word that be, was brought forth, and we pray that it would fall on good ground of our hearts, that our, our hearts, you would break up the fallow ground, that this seed would be able to grow and germinate and speak to us in the coming days. Let grace and peace be multiplied, and let it be upon each and every one of us as we go about our way, walking in your will, and teach each and every one of us to present ourselves as a living sacrifice consumed with a hunger for you don't let the fire on our altar go out don't let the fire of a passion and desire and hunger for the things of god go out but that we might see the kingdom of heaven and your will done on earth as it's already been done in heaven in jesus name why don't you greet someone on your way out please fellowship as long as the lockup man will allow in jesus name go in grace and peace